Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. And David is here this time. By the way, that's Nighty Night. But David's here. Good to be <laughs> back. Good Welcome be back. back, my friend. We're glad you're feeling better. Thank, thank you so you, much for you. coming back to us. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> We've I'm missed you. to be back. Thank you. I missed you guys, too. We definitely missed you. And, and we're having you back on a banger of an episode, too. So I'm, I thought I'm I missed this excited. episode. I know. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you did not miss this episode. But that's also known as Nightly. We're a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So let the lights sit back and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to this show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Man, it feels so good to say all of us. <laughs> so happy about this. Um, but before we actually we kind of jump into what we're even chatting about and all this other shit, I just want to let everybody know once again that we have a Discord. Yes, you heard it right. We are have a Discord and we want to invite you all to that Discord. There are special perks for being a patron as well for the Discord. So if that's something that interests you as well, by all means, feel free to support us and get a few extra little assets added to that. But we also, um, with that Discord, that's going to be in the show notes as well. So you can feel free to just kind of sign up that way and interact with us, chat with us, have a good time, talk about movies and shit. It'll be fun. It, you know, let's just have some fun. And before we even talk about what movie we're talking about, I want to give a very big shout out to our patrons. The list is getting longer, and that's that's very nice. <laughs> we got Brenna, Daniel, uh, Cyan, David. Thank you, David. Hey. Carrie, Stu, Brandon, Monica, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, the Silent Knight himself, Matt, Andrew, Scary Stuff Podcast, Samantha, Patrick, uh, Willow, Taylor, Jessica, Sandy, Jared, Petra, Jasmine, Chantel, Rio, Mark, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, Eric, Day, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. Hey, yo. My <laughs> grandma, Yvonne, and my mom, Lola. Thank y'all so much for allowing us to do this it is honestly incredible that list is getting insanely long the longer that list goes i might have to start shortening some things down a little bit in there but thank you all so much for continue to support us honestly we wouldn't be able to do this without you all so thank you all so much thank Very you thank appreciate you appreciate that yeah now concluding our attack of the sequels month this month has been a fucking blast bonkers oh my god crazy (laughs) so crazy it was like david wasn't even there no he was speechless man he was hella speechless speechless. (laughs) he was the silent night um but we've talked about nia DaCosta's candy man starting that month off with nia DaCosta's candy man absolutely fucking bonkers the exorcist three holy shit holy shit so much fun um we just 
we just had a lot of great stuff that we were t- chatting about this this week and or this month, excuse me. And it's it's just great. We've chatted about Halloween. How can I even forget? Like I was like, wait a second. I feel like I'm leaving one out. We chatted about Halloween, 2018's Halloween, um, David Gordon Green's Halloween, which was also a blast as well. But this time around, concluding things off, we are discussing Wes Craven's new nightmare. First and foremost, thoughts. David, you, you want to, to do first. the answer? You, you, have, you, you right. got to do the honors, man. <laughs> All right. So this movie is fantastic and it's meta. Yes. Right? Obviously. I meta mean, that's a very fuck. easy, obvious answer. Um, it was a blast just to kind of see the the quick turns and where the story was going. Yeah. Production value seemed amazing. Um, it doesn't look aged even today. It still looks really good right um an amazing amount of creepiness and fuckery as far as just fucking with you um while i was watching it i was like yo i want to go back and because for my history with uh the nightmare series i've only seen the first one and that's when mm-hmm. prince we all watched it at your place we got some snacks and watched it oh yeah mm-hmm. I good times. That. that was a blast that was yeah so i had enough context for, oh and i saw the the actual first um film i saw was the reboot that i think was in the maybe oh, yeah, mid the, 2010s or yeah. mid 2000s yeah uh, i don't think people like that one no <laughs> <laughs> um, no but um i thought the first one was a lot better and this made me want to go and watch the movies leading up to it even though i know it's That's not amazing uh, yeah i know it doesn't like follow that set of sequels it does and, to an extent yeah so i know it's like it's not a continuation but it's just a its own thing that uses those movies, right? Yeah. So like so, it's it's it kind of uses the first one, the third one, and the sixth one, which is Freddy's and, Dead. And I'm guessing it's Nancy's Nancy's run. Uh right? only only one and three is Nancy in okay. this one. Yeah. So I want to go back and watch the previous films in order and then watch New Nightmare because I want to have that moment where I watch New Nightmare and I'm like, I know, I see all the details everywhere. The details that I probably didn't catch this time around yeah, because uh, I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Uh, but the things that I was like, oh, that's from the first movie and that's the character from the first movie or the actor, I guess. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he, they become the character from the first movie and I'm like, yes, this is really cool. Yeah, it's a fucking blast. What yeah. about you, Freddie? I fucking love this movie. This movie is fantastic. Um, I knew y'all first, would. I, I, I heard like would. a lot of praise for this movie. And then when I do my whole like post on Twitter, it's like now watching a new nightmare. Uh, people are like, Oh, I'm so excited for you. It's like, I wish I could watch this for the first time again. And I'm kind of on the same page as David and really made me want to rewatch all of the other movies as well. Where yeah. it's like, this is fan service at its best, right? This is like for Freddy Cougar fans. This is the story that we all love and adore, especially with the first one where, yeah, we all watched it together. And that is already a bonding experience for myself as like us being together and actually having that moment. And then watching this go down is like, cool. These are the characters I know, but it's like real life, but it's also within a movie. So it's a movie within a movie. And I love that kind of stuff too. Like, the meta, I understand that his next project was going to be Scream. You can definitely tell that this was like his, like, 
I don't know, his origin story of being the meta director. Dude, the blueprint right here. It just works so well. It's yeah. it's fantastic to watch. You don't really see Freddy for a very long time in this movie, and that's okay because it's still an homage to all of the movies prior. And it's just, yeah, it's a love letter to the series itself. And I think that's the thing that I really appreciated the most is that they're very self-aware of the work they did and they're proud of it. And this movie's kind of celebrating that work and kind of revamping with like the reboot in a way. And I mean, yeah, you get your scares. There's some funny moments. Um, great production value. I think the set designs for the ending worked very well as well. And oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just crazy. And then just the playground scene, which I completely loved, which we'll talk about. Oh my about. god! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, as a parent, this is like literally a nightmare. Oh um, my so god! Weirdly, I found the urge to just start. Like I didn't cry, but I wanted to. I felt like I just wanted to start crying when yeah. he was like just reaching up to the sky. Yeah, I was like, what's going on? And then what on? he says after he gets caught, I'm like, damn. Yeah, yeah there, there's some cool moments in this movie. Such a heartbreaking scene, too. <laughs> Like oh shit! But you know you know that kid is right. Yeah, that's Gage from Pet Cemetery. He's from he was very prolific he was very po- in the nineties. Yeah, like he yeah. was super popular in the nineties and and slightly in the eighties as well. But yeah. like I'm with y'all. This is in might be fighting words for some people, but this is my favorite installment inside of the Nightmare series. Like I absolutely adore this movie. I think this is where. Craven, you can tell he was kind of getting a little over the franchise and he was just kind of done with it in some ways. And yeah. this just felt so fresh and so new. And the meta aspect was genius. And then from him to come off of this to go to Scream, where obviously Scream is way more popular than this, but in it, 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 this movie's like full meta, like it's meta as fuck. Like we see the script, we see like it, it's crazy. Like this movie's right. meta as shit. Script as yes. like actual as exposition. <laughs> yeah, as it's, it's happening. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's crazy because it it feels it feels like it's not for the faint of heart. You really need to understand what meta is, and yeah, because I went into it blind even though you've told me a lot about it but even when you've brought it up in the past i'm always like because you know me i like to go in surprised yeah um uh, so even with that i was very intrigued from the start but i'm like wait okay so so this is happening and this character is actually not a character but themselves <laughs> and i was like so i it, it was Really fun to piece it all together, but yeah. I'm ready to get schooled on like the things I didn't catch. Oh, this is this is uh, gonna be this is definitely gonna be a schooling moment for sure for for probably <laughs> some. But uh, let's just jump straight up into this then. Let's go jump into the plot. Wes Craven's new nightmare, directed by obviously Wes Craven, <laughs> released October 14th, 1994, so two years prior to Scream. A budget, uh, a runtime of one hour and 52 minutes, a budget of $8 million, a box office of $19.8 million, and a rating of 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Shouts out to that percentage. Like that, I feel like this is a movie that definitely during that time would go over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. Um, I think this movie scored better than Scream, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Meta was in. Meta was in that. That is true. <laughs> Meta was in, um, but you know, shouts out to this. Um, but we open 
to a blacksmith wielding Freddy Krueger's glove and his iconic green-slash-red striped sweater inside the basement-like rendition of Hell. The mechanic hand bangs on the table until the man caresses it. He places the blades into, into their finger sockets, then his hand on the table, picking up a cleaver, chopping the hand off. Heather covers her son's Dylan's eyes as we pan out to see that they are actually just actors on set. This alone... Like, how did y'all feel? Because, uh, like, y'all both went in blind on this. How did y'all feel when you first saw this? You're just like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a cool intro to Freddy Krueger's character. It's like, oh, okay, this is a new take already. Like, the chopping off the hand and adding, like, a new accessory and stuff like that. It's like, I'm in. I was like, oh, it's a movie within the movie. It's like, I know exactly yeah. what I'm getting myself into, and I'm all for it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Piggybacking on what Freddie said, I was I was just like, all right, this movie's gonna respect me and it's not gonna like baby me into Absolutely. like this is what we're gonna do. We'll slowly ease you into it. It's like, nah, all right, let's let's do this. We're here. Just kick you in. Like yeah, it's, it's got, it's got it. layers, which I appreciate because like David says, like it doesn't baby you in. It's like you're gonna think something's real, but we're gonna like unveil it and it's not gonna be real. So and then there's like but that thing that was not real is also unreal. So it's like oh, <laughs> what? Okay. Like yeah. what? Like when are they dreaming? I don't know at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, it was a cool reveal of like what was yet to come for the movie. That's true. That's true. I, you know, all this stuff, even too, like when it, when I, I remember first seeing this as a kid, and when I saw it, I was, I was so confused because I. I want to say this might have been the the second Freddy Krueger movie I've seen in the Nightmare series, um, but like when I first saw it, I remember being so confused. I was just like, "Wait, what? What? What's happening?" And then I think my third one was like Freddy versus Jason. And then I went back and all this other stuff. But besides the point, anyway, the director Wes Motherfucker Craven requests more <laughs> blood from the severed hand. Heather's husband Chase is controlling the mechanical uh, Freddy claw. Wes directing him to keep the claw moving while directing someone else just uh, jam the hand in there. He cuts the shot and everyone relaxes on set. I love this. Wes comes up to Chase, calling him a genius for making Freddy's claw. Chase smiles, asking to thank his crew, joking that they're sensitive. You know, Wes Craven actually was a fantastic actor. He's pretty good. I was just like, God damn, you're believable. Yeah, he plays himself really well. Right. (laughs) That's true. I guess that makes sense. He yeah. does so as one as one of them grabs the claw to bring it over. Chase asks Dylan if he wants to see some cool stuff. Heather, not a fan of the idea, as Chase puts him on his shoulders. She follows them as they move across the set. He jokes about them finding something uh, that will scare his mom. Heather nervously... Um, Nervously goes through the set as he asks Dylan if he's hungry. Chase startling his son into laughter as he scares him and Heather with an alligator puppet. His crew, Chuck and Terry, calls him over thinking that the claw was shortened out with the blood. He instructs them to take take it apart and do some effects, some FX jargon to it, commenting that it is not supposed to be submerged. He was talking a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo where I was like, I don't understand what the fuck he's saying. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, y'all doing it though. Heather comments that she doesn't she doesn't like it. He rebuttals um, that it puts food on their table. Dylan asks if it's alive. Uh, Chase suggests that it should be since most of the parts come from living creatures. I did love that part though. I really yeah. love that where he's Trippy. just like, you know, it, and he named all the creatures it came from with like the tendons and shit like that. And I was like, yeah. that's gross. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this movie is complex. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Now this is, this is the most meta part right here because, um, Heather Lang- Langenkamp doesn't 
do much acting. She is going to be in the new Mike Flanagan show, The Midnight Club, uh, which is based off of the Christopher Pike, um, same, same name. Um, but she runs an FX studio with her husband. Oh, wow. And her husband's name is David Leroy Anderson, but oh, David damn. Leroy Anderson is a fucking goat, by the way. And um, like David Leroy Anderson is so dope that his effects studio is literally called Effects Studio, and like that's cool. that's, that's the company name. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, so like it's he's dope as shit though. Like he's done stuff for like Star Trek. He did all the monsters for the cabin for Cabin in the Woods. Hell um, yeah. So like. It, it's absolutely incredible, but she uh, is a part of that, and it's kind of crazy how like meta that is. <laughs> yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah, uh, Heather is staring at the claw. She calls out to Chase. Uh, the claw moves on its own. Everyone in shock. Chase hands Dylan to Heather to take to take a look at the claw. The claw twitches, slicing Chase's finger. Chuck thinks, excuse me, Chuck Chuck thinks that it uh, could have picked up a signal from a walkie-talkie, Terry asking if it is off. Chase sucks his wound, answering that it is off, but Terry jokes that um, that it's warm like a real hand. The claw springs up, stabbing Chuck in the neck, then crawling across the table. The fire bursts through the cages, Wes yelling for them to cut the effects. Chase smashes the batteries out of the controller, Chuck falling on top of him. He screams for Terry, asking where it is. Terry searches for the claw as it comes around comes around the table sliding down with that iconic metal clanking sound that oh it's amazing they are trying to find it as dylan moves moves away toward a bed the claw grabs larry by his ankle causing him to fall to the ground with with believable shrieks the claw crawls on his chest and begins shredding him dude when i saw that i was like damn that's insane all right we're already there yeah it's nuts. And this shows you too, like with a bit of a budget, uh, Wes for sure, he can take his gore like mad serious. Like, yeah. You know, like he could definitely take that. his gore serious. And, and Wes Craven, he's, he's definitely one to push the agenda on certain things like, uh, uh, the serpent and the rainbow, for example. Like there's a scene in there that's pretty intense that involves genitalia so it's like he's he's nuts like he could definitely he definitely could push the agenda uh, when he wanted to heather notices dylan sitting on the bed she calls for him as two workers casually move a set piece in between them dylan disappearing the claws coming for chase she screams for him uh waking up to a large earthquake inside her house amazing Amazing. Oh, California and their earthquakes. Uh, you know, that. I, I, <laughs> it's funny because I do love the fact that the earthquakes are like a thing in this and they're like so consistent. Yeah. It's even, it's funny because even a little later, they, I think, mentioned that they live on the fault now. Yeah, they live on, yeah. they live on the San Andreas fault and things like yeah. that. Um, and I was like, oh, they threw context into it to like trying to dismiss that what it could be, even right. though it's not. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, but it's interesting because obviously this is 1994 when this came out. There was that huge earthquake in LA that was uh, like a seven something in like 92. Like, so So I mean, playing off the fear of that. Exactly. So, I mean, that worked. 
And it still works to this day because we're still like, we're Californians. Like earthquakes don't really bother us too much, but like we do know that like, okay, when the big one happens, like what are we going to do? Like, (laughs) So, hey, Chase helps her to the door frame as the earthquake continues erupting and destroying the house. Dylan screams for her. They run into his room, shooting him until the earthquake stops. Car alarms sound off throughout the neighborhood. uh, Chase checking to see if if they are okay. Dylan claims that he's not. Heather asking if he has a fever. His dad makes a joke about their frequent um, earthquakes getting fun. Dylan notices blood on his hand, Chase brushing it off as a scratch as he wraps it. Shocked, Heather asks where did he get that? He blames it on a picture when it uh, when it fell um, and that it's no big deal. He uh, gets up from the bed, fewing at the adrenaline experience. He's like, phew! Like, oh, yeah, she was crazy! <laughs> An earthquake that big? Like, I can't imagine right now. Like that's scary right. as fuck. That would scare me without a doubt. And they do such a that great job with like the environment of like they make everything fall down. You yeah. have the car alarms going off. They make you really feel immersed. They, they show the swimming pools. Yeah, the edit of the swimming pools. Yeah. I was about to say that the waves. And then when they continue talking in the bedroom, you can see outside the window that the waves are still moving. Like right. that's a hard earthquake. Oh, that's a good catch because I didn't get yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I think the like, cinematography it, is yeah, good they here do too a really because good you have job. Dutch angles going yeah. on. It, oh, it's that's like right. Done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. Cuts to Heather and her family in the kitchen listening to, uh, to, to the news about the earthquake. She asks if, if they have to watch this. Chase thinking, um, that she, uh, could turn it off. She stares at him. He holds up his hands, willing to turn it off himself. Heather goes up to Dylan upset and him making a face inside his oatmeal. And w- wow. The, the amazing face. It's scary. It's scary. <laughs> Yeah, some and would say spoopy. Yeah, <laughs> like it it works so well because it looks just like Freddie. Yeah, it does. Like you know, Freddie Nudie. No, I'm just, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Scary beautiful. <laughs> Scary Jay, nudie. <laughs> Chase passes her by uh, sounding off. Gur. She asks what. He asks. Um, uh, uh, he asked, he asked her if she got, uh, got an, any sleep last night. She comments more or less before taking Dylan's spoon and spoon and bowl, telling him to get dressed, mentioning that she is late. Her son is, um, asked if she's going away, but it, it is only for a few hours and that his babysitter, Ju- Julie, will be with him. Heather is getting ready. Chase asking if there's anything else bothering her. She places the lamp back on the dresser, suggesting that five earthquakes in three weeks is enough. Five earthquakes in three weeks? Yeah. Damn. When they said that, I was like, wow, that's insane. Yeah. He asked if there's been another phone call, but there hasn't. Calling it a good sign, theorizing um, him on getting hit by a truck. She believes that he's closer and um, it's giving her nightmares. He asked if she had one last night, blaming it on the earthquakes. She throws her purse on the chair, thinking it uh, to be a bad idea to do this interview. He wants her to do the interview and that she needs to get back get back on the horse is the analogy he used uh claiming to know how scary it is to be harassed you know the harassment thing was definitely cool in this for me i didn't like certain aspects behind it though uh in in certain ways like the the sending of the letters and the phone calls and things like that. Like I wanted something else out of that, but it's fine. Like, I, well, I don't know. What were you hoping for? I was hoping that it wasn't Freddie. Like uh, I was hoping oh, that it was like an actual stalker. Crazy fan. Yeah. yeah. And that it was maybe some way of him doing like, 
a little bit of like Freddy's bid or something like yeah. that. Like, I don't know. Like, giving I us, really wanted it to be an actual fan, like a toxic fan. Giving us the old razzle dazzle. Right. Like, to be yeah. like, no, like, it actually is a fan. And um, there's also and Freddy. Freddy. Kills that right. Person. And there's also yeah. Freddy. Like, yeah. you know, so I, I, I would have loved that um, or something quite like that. I think that would have been a good fun. call. Yeah. She tells him that he, uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't as, as she continues putting her things back in, in, uh, uh, back as they were. Chase agrees, but thinks that um, this is all over. Heather isn't so sure. As she puts a little perfume on, he asks her, uh, what was the dream about? She stares at him for a moment, brushing it off, sharing some of the details of the dream, sugarcoating the fact that Chuck and Terry got hurt. Chase scoffs and chuckles, Heather adding that his fingers were also cut in her dream. He lifts his fingers, asking if it was the same spot. She nods. He gives off a fake creepy laugh. Ooh. He blames it on her possibly being half awake and seeing his fingers get nicked on the broken mirror. She shrugs it off. He asks if she doesn't want him to go to this job, then he won't. She thinks about it for a moment before smiling, telling him to be careful. He laughs and jokes about surviving Palm Springs. She guesses, and they embrace with a kiss. Afterwards, he rem- he reminds her that it's um, in 48 hours he will be back in no time. He grabs his bags, joking about the state of their home and giving off the last words of encouragement. He says his goodbyes with his son as Heather stays in the room. The room shakes as four slashes crack on the wall. Now, were those real? I think so. Well. I think they are because you see them later on throughout the movie. I know. Just in the background. But at the same and time, it's just like there technically wasn't an earthquake, though. Remember, Julie didn't right. clarify there was an earthquake. She said it yeah. was a truck. And I think we don't have anyone later on that could come back to the house and verify if I'm remembering no. correctly. The yeah. only times we see them is when uh, Heather is in the room. Exactly. So it could it just be a figment of Heather's imagination. With the four slashes? I don't know. It's tough. I, I don't well, know. it's it's crazy because we see moments where th- there are some that s- can see certain things that others can't. Right. Right. You know, and That's it can have an effect asleep, on the environment. I guess. Well, I maybe think we've had moments where they're awake as well because I think about the hospital scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's where they true. can see it, but like yeah. no one else can. That's exactly. true. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. That hospital scene, man. Wow. (laughs) She runs downstairs and noticing that her son is standing in front of the TV looking at Nightmare on Elm Street, specifically the part of Nancy's friend Tina in the bloody body bag calling out to her. My favorite scene. And when she gets to rags, oh my God, what a scene. Uh, she tells Dylan that, uh, that doesn't want him, that she doesn't want him watching this and she unplugs the TV. Dylan starts screaming bloody fucking murder until the phone begins to ring. What? Yeah. Oh my god, kids are scary. <laughs> yeah, he answers are. the phone, the, the sound of Freddy's glove in the beginning of, of his nursery rhyme on the are on the receiver. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Great shit. That nursery rhyme will forever hit, and it's easily one of the best slash creepiest fucking things in horror. Like well, it, the it's, I agree. Great. The the great thing is like people could not really be familiar with the the films and the series and still know the song. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, it, it is just a riff off of one two buckle my shoe. Yeah. But it it it's so great because I remember as a child, they my cousins and my brother would use that as a scare tactic on me, and I'm and it was before I've even seen Nightmare on Elm Street, but I knew who Freddy Krueger 
was. Like, yeah. And I love this that is... they bring that into this movie, too. It's like, he's like Santa yeah. Claus. Everyone knows who he is without seeing the movie. I was like, oh, that's, that's really true. good. Hell yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, most the of these icon, horror right? icons are, right? right? You know, so like everyone knows who Chucky is, even if you've never seen Child's Play. Everyone knows who Leatherface is, even though you've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So like people know. People yeah, right. true. She answers the phone, the sound of Freddy's glove in the beginning of the, oh, excuse me, I just already read that part. Heather hangs up the phone and, and backs away in fear. The phone rings again, Dylan slowly approaching her. She cautiously answers the phone. The man shouts, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> she runs. I loved how it's quick great. it was. It's, it's, it's great. Cause he, like, it was like he knew she was going to hang up again. Yeah. So like, so like, it, it's, it just, it's, oh my God, it works so well. There's some like meta comedy to it. Cause yeah. he's like, I'm just going to say this as fast as I can before you hang up. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yes very true yeah. she runs out of the front of her door yelling for her husband who was already driving down the street blasting his radio she closes and locks the door Dylan commenting that someone is coming she doesn't understand the house shaking for another after from another aftershock running to her son and holding him until it stops she asks if he's okay they are surprised by the doorbell ringing Julie knocking on the door window on the door window calling for Heather she answers the door, frantically ushering Julie into the house. Julie asks if she's okay. Heather asks um, if she felt a small quake just now. She blames it on the truck passing by, passing by right before she rang the, the bell. Uh, I guess with that context in mind, maybe the slashes are real on the wall because I guess it was another earthquake beforehand. But I don't know. Have you guys ever uh, driven through an earthquake? I think I have. Oh, I've done it once. But I've it, never felt it. It's weird. Um, I thought it was the wind, and yeah, the car, car pushed over. Um, and I was like, "Wow, it's windy right now." And it was I like just that one little gust. I would have thought the same thing. Yep. And I stopped at a, and it was on my way to L.A. And I stopped in the, in the gas station, and it was just like, "Nope, that was an earthquake." Great, Damn. first earthquake while driving. Awesome. <laughs> she greets Dylan and picks him up. Heather commenting that he's had a fever and if, and if he feels okay. Julie checks him, thinking he feels fine and asking if she's okay again. The phone interrupts their conversation. Heather angrily answering the phone, yelling for them to, uh, to leave them alone. Um, the yeah, You know, I've always felt like Heather Langenkamp's delivery as Nancy was always a little off in some ways. Like, when she says, like, son of a bitch, for example. <laughs> like, what do you want from me, you son of a bitch? <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, it just feels, like, so forced. <laughs> I, could, I could see where you're coming from. <laughs> the man on the phone introduces himself as L.A. Limo. L.A. Limo, ma'am. And that he's out front. Instead of apologizing over the phone, she hangs up and runs out of the door to apologize. All right. That's one way. She sighs, putting the phone back on the hook. Julie asking um, her what's wrong. Heather uh, mentions that she, uh, she just has a weird feeling. Dylan asking her to stay home then. He walks off. Uh, Heather commenting about the caller starting up again. Julie calls him a sick fuck before apologizing and reassuring her that Dylan doesn't seem to have a fever. She adds that it must be her nerves. Heather's slightly offended. Julie explains herself and the phone begins to ring again. She tells Heather to not answer it, but she does so anyway. And I love that it's in the same style as in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, when she answers the phone, Freddie picks up and he licks her face, even though we do get yeah. that again in this. But yeah, reminds me of that. Um, 
It is the driver mentioning that they're going they're going to be late. Dylan runs back downstairs and she tells him uh, that she has to go, asking for his forgiveness, and they hug. Julie walks Heather outside, telling her th- uh, that she will call the cops for her. Heather instructing her to give them the time um, they called because they're uh, keeping the list that they're keeping a list. She apologizes about her nerves and hugs her. Excuse me. The limo driver is cracking up on his cell phone before hanging up. He was kind of a skis. Like he, weird. Time. he was weird bad vibes yeah like yeah. He, he gave me such odd vibes like he, he seemed a little like flirtatious but like, also kind of psycho serial yeah killer. like yeah that. i thought he was gonna be a villain weird. or something i was like Dude, i thought so too. Some, like, or, yeah that's what I i'm saying we were, i wish he was the fan oh, I thought we were, oh, oh that would have been a good, that idea. Was a good I, twist I, yeah. I had a feeling that we would get like a nightmare moment in that scene where we didn't realize we were, right. we were having a nightmare but oh, um, yeah like he was gonna yeah, turn think, into freddy or something yeah something oh, like that but i think his his the purpose of his character was just to add genuine Tension. uncomfortability that's yeah. true yeah, yeah. She greets him and he does so uh, while holding the door for her. Inside the limo, the driver is looking back at her through the rearview mirror. She is staring out of the window. He asks if she's that actor in Nightmare on Elm Street. She is. She isn't interested in talking about it, but she she nods her head, commenting about this being the reason why he loves his job because he gets to meet the stars. She doesn't. She doesn't think of herself as a star. He rebuttals that he loves her stuff as he uh, shares his love about Tina, cut open and dragged across the ceiling. He continues expressing his love for the film she closes the window between them i love that <laughs> the driver yells that they should have never killed off freddie <laughs> <laughs> she is startled by one of the one of the talk show workers opening her door and telling her that they have to go he grabs her and runs into the building telling telling them through uh through a walkie talkie that they are coming i love how he's just like yeah if you make me lose my job over this <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, cut to Heather on the talk show being interviewed about her effect from all of the success uh, uh, from the NOES uh, franchise um, she doesn't believe a f- she doesn't believe she's affected uh, and she's doing more television now which allows her to spend more time with her family the interviewer Sam Rubin uh, remembers that she has a son asking for his name um, she hesitates a moment before saying his name. The camera moves closer toward her face. Sam asking if that changes her perspective about horror movies. You know, I even get that question a lot. Like, since I have a daughter now, does my perspective change on horror movies? Fuck no. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, I definitely will, will, am waiting very impatiently for when she's old enough to watch her first horror film. Oh yeah. <laughs> she is about to answer that, that it doesn't, but he cuts her off asking if she would, uh, would allow him to see one of her movies. Uh, he, uh, she nervously laughs that she wouldn't. He continues brigading her with questions, asking if there is going to be another sequel and if Freddy is really dead. She answers, of course he's dead and gone. He asks if, if she would trust her co-star Robert England with her son alone. No. I what a weird question to I ask. I know. It's like so weird. Dude. Like I get know, the transition, but like that's not a conversation you have. Like that's yeah. And, and I think the goal here again is just to make the audience uncomfortable. Like some right. just yeah. have an inkling that something's weird, something's off. Like, yeah. Who would ask that? It, it makes you understand like why she didn't want to do the interviews. Like this is the questions of like what she's trying to avoid as well. It's like this is why I didn't want to go. So for her as a character not wanting to go to this interview, you're like, I understand. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Like it, it's you know, it, it's just weird. Like that was such a weird question where it's just like right. why what? 
But this next sequence is kind of cool with Robert England. So. Oh, this is great. She yeah. laughs as she doesn't know. Uh, Sam get, gets up surprising her and the audience with Robert bursting through the paper wall dressed up as Freddy. He hypes up the crowd as Heather stares at him. And I love this. Like It's like a shadow. He's ways, he, or Not a shadow. It's like, it's like a silhouette. He's silhouetted and he's waving his hands and he even says his iconic line, you're all my children now. Like It's <laughs> fucking great. Like This is like all Santa. fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. Like it, it, this is awesome. Heather is waiting for uh, for Robert as he is signing some autographs. He walks he walks up to her, asking about the interview, thinking it went great and that he really uh, startled her. She doesn't understand why he didn't just tell her. He compliments the expression on her face. They joke about making another uh, another together, another excuse me, another movie together. The PA tells her that uh, she has a call and hands her a cell phone. Um, you know, I love, I love. I want to get back to that. Like you're just in a place and someone like, or you're just like, here's the number to the restaurant. Like call the restaurant and tell them they're looking for me. Like, I want to get back to that. Oh, you have no idea how much (laughs) I think about that. Really? Same here. Same here, man. Like that just feels so nostalgic to me. Like I remember when my aunt would go out on dates and stuff and she was like, all right, here's the numbers of the restaurant. Here's 20 bucks for pizza. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I remember that stuff <laughs> and like, I was just like, yeah. man, the good old days. Man. Technology has gotten too out of control. There's that, a lot of benefits to it, but like you lose a lot of, uh, just the special lot of that, those, little those, things. Yeah. That, that little spark that exactly. nostalgia would give you. Yeah. She says her goodbyes to Robert and, and takes the call. It is Sarah at New Line Cinema asking how she is doing. Heather smiles, greeting her back. Sarah wants to uh, talk to her about an offer and uh, wants her to come down to the office immediately. Sarah mentions that uh, the car will bring, will bring her over and it would only take a minute. Heather pulls up to the studio, heads into the office. The receptionist asking if she uh, could assist her. Heather shares that she's there to see Bob Shea. Sarah comes down the hall, greeting Heather and takes her to the back to see Bob. He's on the phone. Sarah calling, calling him over for Heather. He hangs up to, he hangs up the phone to greet Heather, to greet Heather with a hug and a kiss on the cheek. He asks, um, about how she would like to join the, them in the definitive nightmare. She thought they killed Freddie off. He admits that they did, but the fans want more. And you know, it's funny because this was supposed to be our very last Freddy. And then we got Friday, Friday, or excuse me, Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. And then we got the new, the Friday, or I was going to say Friday, the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot from Michael Bay, um, which Michael Bay does not need to touch another horror movie ever again. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. He adds that Wes pitched him an amazing idea and he thought who better to bring it back than the creator. Heather thought Wes stopped doing horror movies. Bob shares that he hasn't. He hasn't um, called him, excuse me, Bob shares that he hasn't and he called him because he hasn't had any scary, uh, scary nightmares. Now, now I'm thinking, and we get to save this for the post show, but I'm thinking like how many, how many movies were actually remade from Wes Craven? Uh, so far in my head, I can only think of three, which is The New Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The House on the Left. Oh, I can't think true. of any others, but I don't know. Could be wrong. I, I can't either. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Very interesting. Yeah. I love The House on the Left, though. Oh my gosh. Um, that being his inspiration for this thing. 
He shares that he's right in the middle of, the, of a script, Heather piecing together that Wes is having nightmares again. Bob claims that Wes is very excited about the script and that she should be too because she's the star. She isn't too sure about doing horror, horror since she has a kid now. I'll do it. He tries to entice her <laughs> that kids love horror. She thanks him, um, she thanks him, but she has other things going on. She uh, gets up and is headed out of the office. He tries to match any offer that she already may have, but um, it isn't, it isn't quite that. It is the fact that she has a fan. He comments that she has many fans um, uh, spilling that they have Chase working on a prototype for the new glove. She is shocked. Bob admitting that uh, they asked him to keep it a surprise until they had his his conversation. Until they had this conversation. Heather wonders how long Wes has been working on the script. He answers a couple of months. Curious as to why. She asks if anything weird has happened since he's uh, been thinking of making the movie. Bob doesn't understand. She gives the example of weird phone calls. The phone immediately rings. She gives another ex- uh, example of nightmares, asking him why won't he answer the phone. He brushes it off, chuckling that they—that's uh, what they pay other people. Uh, that's what they pay people around there for. I love that he was so scared to answer that phone. Yeah. Because it really tells cool. me that he's also been having those yeah. those phone calls, and I love that Good there's moment. like a book or a magazine that has like Freddy Krueger right next to the phone too. It's like I'm the one that's calling you. That's amazing. So it's like I, I mean, his whole details. office was like decked, decked out, out with like yeah. Freddy stuff, and it was it was so funny. It was like that was the only movie New Line Cinema made or something. <laughs> yeah, <it's like laughs> Freddy stuff. It's just that franchise. That's the only thing that matters. Seriously, but that's why I said like this movie is kind of like a love letter to the work they did previously. I was like, this is. Really Really cool. Oh, 100%. they love what they did, and they're just 100%. celebrating it. I mean, God, they made the fucking most iconic horror icon ever. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like that's that's unheard of now. Like I can't think of many now besides Jigsaw. That's the only other horror icon I could think who's a modern horror icon. Other than that, I can't think of anybody. I mean, even with Jigsaw, that's just within like about ten years or so, right? Or, right. I mean, actually. Well, from New Nightmare, but never mind. Right. Because the first movie is a lot earlier than that. Yeah, you make a really good point with that. Like, a lot of things just don't really stick anymore. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why. Huh. I think it has a lot to do with... uh, You know, we'll say this for a post-show, because this is a great question. (laughs) Table that question. We'll talk about horror icons in a post-show. Heather heads back home, the driver assisting her out. She hears her son screaming inside the house. She immediately runs inside to see what's wrong. Julie trying to hold him, Heather pushes her out of the way, grabbing Dylan. He hisses, never sleep again, before she embraces him. I would not have embraced my child if that's what he was said. I would be like, cool, okay, (laughs) well, um, I'm going to wait until you calm down. I'll be outside. Gentle parenting, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Asking Julie if she uh, let him watch um, NOES on TV. NOES being the acronym for Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm just going to call it that from now on. Um, She claims that he... he he wasn't watching anything on TV. He was ta- taking a nap and she heard him screaming. Heather asks if he's okay. He weakly, he weakly tells her that Rex saved him. He pulls out his stuffed animal with four slash marks on it, asking if Rex is going to die. She uh, seriously promises that Rex is not going to die. And like, seriously, she's like, he's not going to die. Yeah. And like, she's like uh-huh. holding his arms. And I'm just like, I believe it, you know? Like, I believe that right there. 
asking Julie to fetch the sewing kit um, stuff in the kitchen. She takes Dylan to the kitchen to assist on the stuffed doll. Meanwhile, Chase is working on the new hands, someone telling him that he uh, has a, he has a call from his wife. He goes inside the trailer next to, to the hand, picking up the phone. She tells him to come home, but uh, he claims that he's stuck there because neither Terry or Chuck came in today. He asks what's wrong. She tells him that it is Dylan. The phone starts breaking up. He moves for a better reception, asking what's going on with him. She mentions that he's uh, he's had some episode. Uh, he he's had an episode where he was acting strangely, like someone was after him. She hesitates as she comments that he has he was acting like Freddie. Annoyed, Chase asks uh, if if there has been another phone call. She ignores his question, asking why didn't he tell her that he was working on a new glove and why Chuck and Terry aren't there. I love this. Chase is not very supportive. No, he's not. He's <laughs> definitely not. Like he's he's definitely um a little gaslighty for sure. Yeah. yeah like you know, he he's definitely is just like not taking his wife's side. And and that that definitely is a trope, I feel like for sure. Like the woman's crazy or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And that was yeah. a constant trope in this movie. Like the woman is crazy. Exactly. And right. you oh, felt it. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, when I we talked about later on the, the the doctor, the woman doctor, I was like, You are pissing oh, me off. Oh man, like, god I want her damn, to get out of her way. Her. <laughs> we'll get there, we'll get there. Like but yeah, dude. I believe like yeah, I'm with you guys with this whole entire thing with like her husband being like not very supportive and just like Oh yeah. Ah, the way he treats her, I'm like, you could do better. Yeah, it sucks. Like, like I granted, there's, there's definitely I can understand irritation from Chase because he's just like, I'm just trying to like work right now or whatever. But at the same time, like, dude, it's your wife and your son. Yeah, like, I was gonna add that. At like, least, come on. At least I'm happy that he took the initiatives. Like, okay, I'm leaving work. I'm going back. Right. He's yeah, like, me too. This is serious enough that like I have to leave work. Yeah. But like, at the same cool. time, it's like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to leave work. I'll right. be there in It's three not like hours. he's happy about right. it. Right. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't stoked. He definitely wasn't stoked. And you can tell he was tired. Right. But he tells her to forget them and to answer his question. He, she sighs that there has been, that there has been, and that's enough for Chase to come, to come home. He shares that he'll be there in three hours before hanging up. Um, and telling his crew that his kid is sick. The mechanical hand no longer no longer there as he drives away. Now night, Heather is, is reading Hansel and Gretel to Dylan before bed. She stops to com- comment on how violent they are, not, uh, not knowing why he likes these fables. He pleads for her to finish, even though she believes it will give him nightmares. He shrugs that he likes his story. Heather continuing to read the story. At, uh, at the part where they throw the witch into the fiery oven, she stops reading, calling it enough. Dylan looks up, continuing the story from memory, then looks at his mom as she stares at him uh, with shock. Weirded out and scared, she tells him that it is time for sleep. He asks for he asks for her to say say um, how they found their way back home. Heather agrees, but for tomorrow night. He grabs her arm, wanting her to do it tonight, suggesting that it is important. She reminds him that that he knows how it ends as they followed their breadcrumbs to their to their house. Dylan smiling um, that their father covered them with kisses and they were safe. She tucks him into the bed, noticing something sticking out of the covers. He tells her that it is Rex grabbing his flashlight, telling her um, to come inside to see. He mentions that Rex keeps the the mean old man with the claws down there. She he shares that the, that the man wants to come up while they sleep, and that he keeps his feet above Rex calling Rex his guard and that Heather should have a guard too. She comments that there isn't anything down there, bringing him to the edge of the bed to show him, but it's different when she is gone. 
She tucks him in, she tucks him back in, turning off his nightlight. He demands for her to turn it back on. She does so, bidding her son another good night. Dylan asking if his dad is coming home tonight. She agrees that he's on his way before closing the door. To himself, he says, quote, if the birds don't eat him first, end quote. Wow. That was so creepy. That yeah, was very what a creepy. weird line. But I do like this scene a lot because I love this, this scene. This entire scene is the ending of this movie. They talk Pretty about much. the breadcrumbs and then they, you see yeah. the witch and they actually get a cut of the edit of uh, the book and you see the mm-hmm. witch burning, like the villain burning. I'm like, yeah. huh. That's really yeah, clever. Great, I really great love it. Foreshadow. That. Yeah, great, great foreshadow. It's amazing. Meanwhile, Chase is driving home, trying his best to stay awake. Serving on the, uh, swerving on the road, he decides to call Heather. The phone starts, uh, starts having static disconnecting the call. The radio is going in and out as he continues drifting himself in the car. He shakes it off. He shakes it. He, excuse me. He shakes out of it again, flipping through the stations until he eventually turns off the radio. He starts singing to himself. Freddy's knives appear through the seat, inching toward his groin. He continues trying to sing as the knife flicks his crotch. Chase fixes his pants and continues slipping deeper into his sleep until Freddy's hand rips from the seat and carves into his chest, ripping his skin as the claw drags down, causing him to crash the car. Fucking yes. So (laughs) Freddy was able to get him solely because he was dozing off, right? Yeah. Yeah, he could Damn. have maybe slowly slept at the wheel for that one second and then got ripped right. apart. Oh, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And Damn. big thing for even our listeners, if you are really tired, please do not like drive. Oh yeah. Don't drive. Yeah. Because like if you're if you're that's like driving drunk. Oh yeah. Like yeah, like yeah, don't don't drive if you're t- really tired. Definitely please like pull over or or go to a rest stop or anything like you know, definitely. Right. This is Put a warning. Some if you fall asleep, movie podcast. Exactly, yeah. we'll keep you awake. <laughs> it's like, warning, like if you fall asleep, Freddy will get you. So don't do it. Moral of the story. At home, Heather jolts awake from the couch, gasping as she catches her breath. Dylan appears in the doorway, asking if she's scared. She tells him that she's fine, and it was just a bad dream, asking him why is he awake. He shares that Rex woke him up fighting. She tells him to uh, go back to sleep. He comments that he's not sleepy. Their doorbell rings. Heather gets up to see who's at the door. Two officers are at the door. She pauses in fear, already knowing the outcome. She opens the door. The officer double-checks her identity, asking if Chase is her husband. She nervously answers that he is, and a cop continues sharing that her husband died in a car crash from uh, from falling asleep at the wheel. In shock, she asks if he's hurt. The other – and it's crazy because, like, he literally says died. Like, like he tells her, like, yeah, your husband died. Like, he – He's more than hurt. Like he yeah, did. She's in shock. That's so. Right. Oh man, that moment just seeing the 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 law enforcement outside of the door. It's like oh, you no. already know. Yeah, yeah. You know what's Very crazy? Sad. Like I feel like this is how I would handle my wife if she went before me. God, God forbid. Like you know, I I don't. Oh my god, I don't even want to think about that. But like, I would just feel like I would be such in shock that I wouldn't even like process the fact that should be dead like I, have you guys seen contagion i have no yeah no? Well, there's a where scene in there where on, like he keeps on asking that like, yeah matt damon so is she okay is she okay and they're yeah, like, and like the doctor like, literally no. is just like no she's dead like it's she's like, dead and he's just like she's like okay but can i mean? see her yeah can i see her like it's like, like yeah it, that boggles my mind oh my god i feel like i would just trauma. go blank like i would just like 
wide eye just don't even process anything. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Like, how do you process it? You know, yeah. like can't goddamn. even speak. Seriously, she asks if if they're sure. They tell her um, that they can, that she can com- confirm um, his identity from his effects. Heather um, wants to see his body, but they deem that it is not necessary. But she insists. Cut to Heather inside the coroner's office, headed toward the morgue. The VO of a woman crying in, is ringing through the halls as she walks past the dead bodies on stretchers. She comes across a few coroners doing an autopsy. She asks to see her husband. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't just walk into a corner. <laughs> I thought the same. Oh, the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Freddie, you said it. <laughs> oh shit! Like that. That uh, that was so funny to me. Like I'm pretty sure you can't do that. <laughs> the coroner takes her into the back, apologizing as he lifts the sheet. She uh, doesn't go past his chest before uh, before slight slashes can be seen. They're about to have her signed, but she asks to see it again. He does so, showing his face, but she asks, um, she asks for him to move it more, revealing more of the slashes. She asks what, uh, what that is. He comments that he was in a bad wreck and his, um, and is about to continue explaining, but she immediately lifts the sheet showing the slashes in full scale. She turns over to throw up. He grabs her a cloth, checking to see if she's okay. With sobs, she's like, of course I'm not fucking okay. I just saw my husband dead. <laughs> With sobs, she asks what did, uh, what did that? He mentions that the truck was tore up pretty badly. She mentions that it looks like his chest was clawed, that being the reason why they uh, they don't um, lift the sheet past the face. What if the face is mangled? Would you do like their feet? Right. Like Dental maybe like an identifier, like a tattoo or like yeah. a call birthmark, maybe. things like that. Yeah. Uh, what they don't see gets them through the night. And that's that. It's a great fucking quote from that. It man. is. Yeah. Um, she gets up, the coroner uh, putting Chase, Chase's hand back underneath the sheet and grabs the paper for her to sign. But she's already walking out the door. At the funeral, the wind picks up and the ground starts shaking. Statues falling and shattering like glass. This was such a fun scene to me. I love this scene. I was like, oh! I didn't know Everyone it gets. I didn't out. know it gets windier when earthquakes happen. Uh, yeah. Statues falling and shattering like glass. The, the casket falling into the grave. Heather trying to catch it and tripping over Rex, hitting her head on the bar. Dude, Rex so much is happening in this moment. Yeah, she wakes up, looking back, asking Julie where Dylan is, but she doesn't know. Inside the grave, Dylan is being dragged to hell by Freddie. La- by Freddie laughing, she springs into action, going after him, grabbing Dylan's hand. Freddie letting go and sliding into the darkness of the casket. She pulls Dylan out, but her husband comes back to life, bleeding tears as he whispers for her to stay with him. This whole scene is oh. terrifying, and it. It put a grin on my face at the same it time. Is because I, so good. At first, I'm like, this is just straight up horrific. But yeah. like, well, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yes. It's great yes. visuals. Like, you it's know what, creepy it, to see a little kid get dragged into a coffin. Yeah. And just yeah. like, like Freddie yo, come like, yeah. through the corner of the coffin and just like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, first time we really see <laughs> Freddie Cougar is 37 minutes in. This is true. Yeah, this is true. Cool First time we see Freddy Krueger, and um, the cool part of seeing Freddy Krueger is that like he genuinely looks scary. Yeah, yeah, like, he does. Terrifying. Like, y- y- looks great. It's crazy to think, but this movie is actually scary. Yeah, like like, like I I genuinely see this movie being a a scary movie. Um, like it, the the jokes and the witty aspect behind Freddy is gone. 
in this movie. Right. And it's mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty out there, but it's great. Um she screams no. John John Saxon wakes her up. She freaks out asking where her son is. John letting her know that he's right there as everyone stares at her in fright. She asks what happened, touching the wound on her head. He shares that it was an earthquake while trying to clean the, the blood from her head. The priest gives the last words of laying Chase down to rest, wishing them all safe travels home. He's just like, I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> we gotta wrap it up. Yeah. Heather bumps it to Robert, <laughs> telling her if she needs anything to, um, to let him know. She she gains her composure, thanking him. Back at home, Heather is lying down in bed, wiping her tears because the message from our sponsors is really hidden. And we're back. She ain't crying from the message from our sponsors. I'm just kidding because we love our sponsors. <laughs> she hears the score of NOES downstairs. Um, and I, you know, I love this scene because this scene is like a double meta aspect because it sounds like it's a part of our movie. That she goes downstairs and it's a part of that movie. Yep. So good. So good. She goes downstairs to, to her son watching the TV. She calls She calls out to him as he continues sta- um, standing in the dark. He doesn't answer. Um, uh, also, want to point out that when she calls out to him, she's also in, the, in Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Nancy calling out to Tina at the same time. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, yeah. She goes up to him, Dylan indistinctly mumbling as she continues his gaze toward the TV. She whispers his name, but he won't snap out of it. Um, so uh, he won't snap out of it. He uh, So she glances at the screen. Disgusted by the film when Freddy appears, uh, she looks back at Dylan, who is now moving into the kitchen. Weird kids be weird. She grabs him, uh, telling him to wake up. He wakes up screaming, clawing to get away from his mom. She calms him down, telling him to, uh, telling him that they are um, going to get go back to bed. He exclaims that he can't sleep there, but she tells him that he has to sleep. He begins singing Freddy's nursery rhyme. She asks him where did he hear that, even though he literally just watched the fucking movie. He is silent <laughs> as she questions if her if he heard it from the movie or on the phone, but he heard it from his bed. He clarifies that it was under his covers, kids um singing with the, with a mean man. She doesn't understand what that means. He explains that he's trying to get get up um into their world. She sobs and Dylan Dylan's nose starts to bleed. Profusely, actually. Yeah. Like it's it's bleeding, all right. <laughs> Terrifying moment, especially as yeah. a parent. It's like, oh my god, what the hell? Oh my god, on? seeing blood on your child anytime is is scary. Like, um, it's whoa, Freddie, what's happening over there? Yeah, don't yeah, like don't scare me. Yeah, there's some oh, okay. sounds over here on my end. Ooh, he, he's in the office alone. We we went uh, remote because of the COVID cases currently rising up. So, and then uh, Freddie just looks off screen, makes a face, and it looks so like he's scared. mouthing something to someone. Yeah, it looked like you were talking to someone. It really genuinely did. Uh, but be safe, Freddie. Oh, uh, she takes him. <laughs> you just see my lights the- go off. God, I hope not. She takes him to the bathroom. TV now off, revealing that he's uh, been unplugged. That it's been unplugged the whole time. Cuts to them in bed together. Dylan asking where his dad is. Heather tells him that he's in heaven with God now. He asks if if uh, if you have to die to see God. What a fucking amazing question! Like wow. He was like, "Do you have to die to see God?" It's a wow. deep question coming from a kid. I also seriously. In, I also appreciate the next question that he follows up with. 
Oh yeah. But she isn't sure, thinking thinking that you'd have to pray and reach out. He moves in closer asking why God allows bad things. But she claims that she claims that she doesn't know, asking him to try and get some sleep. She kisses his forehead. He asks um he asks if she could come into his dreams. She smiles, admitting that that only happens in the movies. Just like in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, baby, Dream Warriors. Let's fucking go. The second or the third best fucking such a Nightmare cool on Elm Street title. movie. Dream Warriors? Dude, <laughs> yeah. it legit is uh, a horror version of X-Men. That sounds so cool. Dream Warriors I mean, is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, oh my god, it's so good. Sounds oh, 80s as fuck. Is it it 80s is. Or, yeah. yeah, I think 87? Maybe? Um, assuring him that she uh, she will always be right there when he gets back. She covers... Uh, she covers him up, taking another sip from her coffee while while he places Rex below his feet. Dylan is playing in, um, by himself in a playground. Full of ki- oh, cut to Dylan playing in, by himself in a playground. Heather understanding that he's his behavior is currently bizarre prior to ha- prior having a normal and well adjusted personality, not believing it is him and not something influencing him. Wondering if that um, if that is how denial works. John nods that he doesn't he doesn't think that this uh, that's the case. And to have a doctor check him out if, if she's that concerned. Knowing that he's fine and that his behavior is understandable, understandable since he just lost his father. Question, uh, questioning how a child processes a thing quite like that. She doesn't know. Also not b- being able to process it herself. He tells her that she's not crazy as she argues that, um, seeing Freddie in the, in that grave and her jumping in feels kind of crazy. Uh, he clarifies that she didn't jump in, but she continues arguing that it was her memory and that seemed real. He agrees that it was seemed and not was. She sighs that it uh, that it runs in her family, sharing that a close relative died in an institution. He jokingly argues that everybody would would be in the same boat if that's the case. John explains that she has a crazed fan and that it is making her feel this way, and it is probably doing the same to Dylan. Dylan climbs up to the platform as Heather continues continues chatting um that he has uh that she has never mentioned this to him before john shares that kids know when something is bugging their parents at the top of the platform dylan walks in in circles as he um as his hand hits the bars john questions if she has any idea who was calling her she blames it on freddie either a man or a boy with a deep voice that sounds like him while he continues trying to brush off her experience dylan continues going higher and higher inside the platform he pushes the gate the uh, the gate open or excuse me the gated window open and climbs on top of the rocket ship heather's Heather asks John if she, he really thinks Dylan is okay. He assures her that Dylan is fine and she's she's not crazy. <laughs> she sighs that her worst fear is whatever her family sickness is is mm. is also inside her, and she passed it down to him. Dylan's on top of the platform, reached out toward the sky, trying to keep his balance. She notices that Dylan is standing on the fucking platform as she. <laughs> As she finishes, she gets up in shock, John and Heather running over to him as he falls off the platform. She catches him. They both check to see if he's okay. Dylan monotonically comments that God wouldn't take him. That's something about that. So sad. Oh my God. Fuck. This whole scene gave me major anxiety. And I know, like, I'm watching the movie too, but I'm like, how did they film this? Did he let this kid climb up that high and they had, like, (laughs) like, things on the ground to, like, 
catch him just in case. Like maybe that was what was going through my mind. Like this kid might be in danger in the movie, but was he in danger while making this movie? But it's a movie within the movie. I'm in my own yeah. head. What is going on? <laughs> but I mean, he did <laughs> actually slip. Is really good. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Oh, the music choice. Uh, I forget what it was, but I was like, the buildup was there. And I was like, this is one of the best shot scenes from this movie so far. And it was a great moment. I agree. Like, this is like a nightmare for and like uh, a parent. So it's like absolutely yeah, for anybody. God, child, like, yeah, it, it, I can't imagine uh, going to a playground and seeing a kid get that hurt. Yeah, like, I was kind of low kicking him out. It's like, who designed this playground? Like, this is unsafe. Like, why is that window able to be open? Why yeah, that was me now? That was playground back like, then, man. It's That's so true. tall too. I was like, yeah. oh my Dude, god. Dude, I remember at, when I was a kid in the nineties and jumping off of something. And I remember this guy came up to me and was just like, Hey, don't do that. You can break your leg. And I yeah. thought I was invincible. And I looked down at my knee. You my knee was bleeding. Oh, like, never mind. Like it didn't, <laughs> yeah, it didn't break, but my knee was bleeding. And I was like, how did that happen when I just jumped off of something? And yeah, I, yeah. Like I, after that day, like, Nope, I've been afraid of heights ever since. That guy made me afraid of heights after that. he told me that. Because I didn't feel my knee bleeding. I didn't feel hurt. But, yeah, I could have broke my leg that day. Yeah. <laughs> Got to Heather getting getting her mail. She looks around a bit before heading in, heading back inside. She frantically opens up a letter that has a burnt E over the page. Um, putting it in the drawer with matching burnt letters. Why would you keep those? <laughs> she yeah, calls. Good point. She, she calls Robert. Like, at least give it as evidence or something to the police. Like, if that's going to be your reason, but I don't know. True. She calls Robert. Um, he asks if she's doing okay. She shares that he's uh he's hanging in there, telling him to telling him about the phone call to soccer call. Excuse me. Telling him about the phone stalker calling and writing her again. He believes that he, that he must have heard about the funeral in the paper, commenting that being the last last thing she needs. She shares that she's about she's been having nightmares about Freddie. He asks if she's having nightmares about him. She explains that it isn't him. Freddie being scarier. Uh, Robert cutting her off in finishing that it's that he may see that he seems darker or more evil. She doesn't understand how he knows. He calls it a guess. She asks if he's if he's seen any of the script, but Wes won't show it until it's finished. Robert grabs a Robert grabs a paintbrush to continue painting as they continue their conversation. She asks when the script is going to be done, but who knows since Wes is taking his time. He asks how far uh, Wes was at the funeral. Wes saying, "Quote as far as Dylan trying to reach God." End quote. Not understanding what that means. Dude, how does he know this? It's crazy because we see later that he's literally writing this and it's happening. Yeah. Right. So, and it's crazy. It's not crazy, but it's, it's cool to think that Wes Craven is 100% in control here. Yeah. He's like, that's great. Yeah. He's great. God here. So he kind of becomes the villain in some sort of way too. Like, damn, you killed my husband because you wrote that in there. It's needed to bring Freddy into reality and get rid of him for good. And I think it's also an allegory on uh, Wes just being so involved in his work. Okay, that's fair. I like that. He paints paints his brush 
on his work. Like it's, it's pretty clear when we see something created from him. Yeah. Um, and even, even if you go as far back as to, um, uh, like the hills have eyes, right? Oh, that's another one. <laughs> that go. was a remake. The hills have eyes. Uh, but like, even if you go back to the hills have eyes, um, as well. Um, but like, I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting because like you can see like this is Wes Craven, his mm-hmm. work from the eighties and the seventies and the, and, and to now, like, um, and, even though obviously rest in peace, but still like you, you just can tell calling it weird to uh, put her kid in his script. She asks if he's been having nightmares. He places the phone over his shoulder, not answering as not answering her as uh, he continues painting. She asks if she can come over so, so they can continue talking. He tells her that today isn't good. um, Claiming that he needs to finish something as he looks at his painting agreeing on tomorrow. She tells him to take care. He hangs up his his painting showcasing Freddy with lost souls at his feet. <laughs> Heather is trying to uh, sleep as her room shifts and wobbles around her while she is tossing and turning. Dylan is Dylan is walking around downstairs in the kitchen. She turns on her side. Freddy's claws are ripped through the sheet, sliding its way towards his face, toward her face. The hand comes out of the comes out of the mattress, clanking at clanking open. As it approaches her face, she is startled awake and sh- when she hears the silverware spill onto the floor. Checking her sheets, noticing the shreds, she gets out of bed. A clanking noise downstairs. Heather goes goes to check it out. Dylan's singing the nursery rhyme behind the uh, behind the island. She calls out to him. As he continues the rhyme, he slowly approaches her with his hands behind her behind his back. He continues the rhyme. Um, he continues the rhyme. She goes she goes up to him, telling him to not sing that song. He gets to 9.10, showing his hands with the knives taped to his fingers, slashing at Heather. She backs away, grabbing his hand and screaming, no. Yeah, I would have probably had to kick my kid. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we're going to stop this right now. What a terrifying moment, though. This is really oh good. This is great this is horror. Great. I was like, this is brilliant. It's like, yes, get your kid to be against you and you as a mom have to like – Deal with yeah, the what situation. can you do? Yeah. And you, and you had like, to also Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was about to say, like, she loves her kid. Like, yeah. This is hard. Like, to, make the villain your child. That's gonna be a big opposition for you as a parent. Have you saw villain, pet cemetery. Yeah. Have your villain be the child, but also face the struggle of trying to save them at the same time. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Damn. She wakes up falling out of her bed in her house shaking. She hears Dylan downstairs repeating, never sleep again. He's walking in a circle around the burnt messages from the stalker. She goes up to him, looking down at the letter, saying, quote, unquote, answer the phone. The phone rings. She answers it. Freddie laughs on the other end and says that he touched him he, as he licks her through the phone. Heather screams and drops it. Dylan then immediately foams from the mouth and screams as his foam continues spurting out of the receiver of the phone and he convulses on the floor. Terrifying. What? Terrifying. Oh my god. Cut to Dylan at doc at the doctor's office. Um uh, Dr. Hefner asking if they have a history of epilepsy or diabetes diabetes in her family. I almost said it like that guy in that diabetes. Old commercial. <laughs> 
I knew it. I knew it. I almost said it like that. I was like, I can't. <laughs> Heather tells her that uh, they don't. Doctor Hefner uh, continues the questions if they if there was triggering a triggering event, trauma, or shock. Also a- asking if she's shown him any of her horror films. Heather mentions that his father passed away. She apologizes, adding that horror films can tip an unstable child over the edge. Heather, it's like Heather's just like I literally just told you I did it, and his father died. Like, stop bringing up horror films. Exactly. Heather comments that he's he's not stable. He's just upset. You know what's crazy, though? Like, this is like, I feel like it's not as common now. And it might, might just because I'm older. But um, when we were younger, it's like, that was like a thing. Like, horror films were such a taboo thing growing up. I do think it's because we're older. And I do think we live in a, pretty diverse part of the world where we're pretty accepting of a lot of things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think there might be some areas where it may still feel like that, how it used to be for. Yeah. No, and there definitely is like, I know like horror for like certain people who maybe have a, uh, religious background might be a little bit yeah. more taboo for some, but that's what I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Cause okay. you could think of places in the country that are probably are so much more prominent in, religion being yeah. a part of like most of society and right you know, we, yeah. we we could all assume <laughs> that's true that's true yeah. uh dr hefner wants to run a few more tests she wonders if he has uh if he has to stay over or excuse me um heather wonders if she if he has to stay overnight um hefner tells her that that he does while ushering her out of the room and leaving dylan on the table she asks heather if anything more happened that they need to know about she doesn't understand dr hefner elaborates that sometimes what a child says will give them a clue what ails them wondering if he said anything while still lucid heather looks back back at him and then back at Dr. Hefner telling her no walking walking back into the room with her son. A nurse comes up to Dr. Hefner asking what uh what do they have there? All right. Here's going to be some quick trivia for y'all. Do you know who that actress is? She looks she look familiar. familiar Wait, are you talking yeah. about the blonde woman? The, the blonde nurse that comes I do. Up. What, what, who is she? She's the medium from Insidious. Yeah, I knew it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I called it. I, yeah. I saw her and I was like, "Who is that?" Yep, and that's I had to Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay, and also Lynn Shay was the teacher in Nightmare on Elm Street. She was oh. Nancy's teacher. Damn, <laughs> that's really cool. She changed professions. That's cool. Exactly. She got out of it. <laughs> Doctor Hefner claiming it is too early to to know for sure, but signs. Um, signs are pointing to childhood schizophrenia. Once mm. they walk off, Heather asks Dylan if if he can hear if he can hear her. She he shakes his head. She tells him to fight it and come back to her, explaining that he can't do that he can't do it alone, or she can't do it alone. He nods. She asks for him to tell her uh, what he needs to feel safe. He moves his hand over to the blanket. She translates translates that as Rex, sharing that Rex is at home and he has to get better before they'll they'll let him leave. She asks if he understands. He says, home? Heather <laughs> smiles and hugs him, then showing showing him that they are far away as they look out of the window, explaining that that they are right past the freeway. And to uh and to get there he has to he has to come out from uh from where he is. The nurse comes into the room with pills, telling him that um, that it is time for uh, for his medicine. She shakes it in front of him. Heather asking uh, what that is, and um, it is something to help him sleep. No, 
No, don't, <laughs> no, don't, don't give me pills. No, like what, what? Tell me what it is. Bring a pharmacist in here to explain what this drug is going to do to my child. Yeah, this hospital does not care about consent. Bro, oh, the nineties, bro. <laughs> I would, I would have been suing the fuck out of this hospital. Real, real. <laughs> Shit, dude. She allows him to take the pill. The nurse tells him to lie down and take a nap. The nurse tell, uh, tells her that she should also get some rest while they perform a few more tests on him. She kisses him. Her she kisses him on the forehead, telling him that she has to go and um, that she loves him, telling him to remember what she said. He watches helplessly as as they leave. Then takes the pill um, out of his mouth and places it underneath his pillow before shutting his eyes. Nice. Smart kid. Heather goes to her car, almost hitting someone as she backs up. She beats on her steering wheel to not lose it before uh, continuing down the road. I do like that she tries to put her seatbelt back on. I genuinely <laughs> think that was a, a goof. And I think yeah. she just couldn't <laughs> put her seatbelt on. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Passing up all the wreckage from the earthquake. This earthquake was just like... Fuck your life, Bing Bong. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, like, like, that's like a symbolism of like your reality is crumbling. Ooh. Yeah, that's deep, a very huh? good analysis. Yeah. That's why we call him Deep Freddy. We <laughs> don't call him that. <laughs> do, do we call you that? I don't know. We, you, no. we do now. Okay. Uh, drinking coffee and turning, and turning off the radio to call Robert. <laughs> Changes my Twitter name. <laughs> nah. I was just literally thinking that, like, we should change your Twitter name. He doesn't answer his machine, mentioning that he's out of town and he won't be back for some time. I love how, like, he's just like, "Fuck this, I'm, I'm out." Like, you know, <laughs> I'm out. She continues driving to Wes's house. Wes tells her that he, that he doesn't know uh, where the script is going. He dreams a scene at night and and writes it down in the morning. She asks for him to tell her what uh, what it is about so far. He shares that it's about this entity that is very old and that has existed um, in different forms at different times. And the only thing that stays the same is what it lives for. Quote, unquote, the murder of the innocents. She, uh, she wonders... She wonders if this is still is this is still the script that they are talking about. He calls it a nightmare in progress. She asks if this thing um, has any weaknesses. He claims that it can't that it can be captured by storytellers. That they can catch its essence and it's um and it is held uh, prisoner in the story. But the pro- but the problem happens when the story dies. Either it's too familiar or it's watered down or outright banned. He continues that the. He continues that when the story dies, the evil is set free. She clarifies that he's talking about Freddy. Wes, Wes agrees, adding that he's been held captive in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. But since the films have ended, he's free. That being uh, what the nightmares are telling him, and that's what he's writing down. I love all this. Yeah, I love all this. It ramps up very quickly. Yes. And it's really cool. And I, I think I can grasp all of it. But then I start second guessing. I'm like, but am I? Am I grasping all of it? Will I get right. any more if I've seen all the films prior to this? Right. I want to understand fair. what Wes's vision is with this movie and what he wants to tell as a storyteller himself. He's saying like, yeah, Freddie was always contained within my stories of my movies. But now that it's stopped, he's gone rampant. He's free to leave that containment. But as a writer, I can bring him back and capture him back into the story, which is in real life. 
and then have like that proper ending. I'm just like, yo, this is some like screenwriting chaotic masterpiece that he just created right now. I'm just like, yes, you're celebrating screenwriters for making stories and creating these characters that really come to life. But they are contained within your own stories as long as you're continuing those stories. And it's like, this movie has layers. I'm like, damn, okay. Yeah. And it was funny because when I watched this was on Screenwriters International Day or something like that. And I was like, yeah, shout out to the writers out there in West (laughs) Vegas. One of the best. So, yes. Shout out to all y'all telling stories. Is this approaching, uh, like, Freddy being a cosmic being at this point? Does Wes Craven mention that? I don't remember. He doesn't, but um, he, he he visually shows it to where it. Uh, we see that Freddy Krueger is a demon. Yeah. And that, that that is the essence of this entity. He's no longer a man. He's now a demon who yeah. is uh, feeding off the innocent. And I, I, I do love that because it technically – on screen, we get maybe four or five deaths on screen. Like we, we don't get very many, but um, it is they're still impactful. I feel like in in ways, but yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah, I think they are impactful because like hearing the number, I'm like, oh, that's it. But like thinking back about the experience of watching it, felt like there was just so much death for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, and I think it's just the fact that like the movie itself is based around death like it's yeah. just that's the essence of this film and it's great it, it, it's great to, to, to have this be the categorized section for nightmare on elm street to where this is technically not a part of the nightmare on elm street franchise technically i, I like but respectfully it is but i don't know Anyway, she asked, where is he going to go uh, since Freddy is loose in his script? Wes claims that he he's used to being Fre- he's used to being Freddy and he's likes the, he likes their time and space, which had him decide to cross over out of out of films into the reality. Heather asked if there is a person that can that can stop him. He mentions that there is a person in the dreams, sort of like a gatekeeper, somebody that has has to get by so so he can. Uh, so he can come into their world. That person being her. She doesn't understand why. He reminds her that, that she played Nancy and was the first to humiliate him and defeat him. She, she argues that she argues that was Nancy, not her. He agrees, but claims that it was her that gave Nancy her strength. In order to get out, he goes, he's going to do it. He's going to do it through her trying to do that, trying to do that at her most vulnerable points. She asks if he knew. He gets nervous, telling her that it was a script and a dream. He gets up. She follows him, asking how can that how can they stop him? He thinks the only way to, that they can stop him is to make another movie. He swears that he's going to stay um, by the computer and keep writing the script, but she needs to make a choice when that time comes. She doesn't understand. Wes clarifying if she is willing to play Nancy one last time. The script's showing what Wes and Heather's conversation is word for fucking word. I the love fade this. to black at the end. I love this reveal. It's so, so it's so good. great. I'm, I I feel like back in '94, this would have been like like mind blowing for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Because even today, it does have an effect when you're watching it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. But I, my, my I feel blown. like you don't. This is the beginning of the buildup of meta, right? Films. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, so I, I could only imagine like kind of experiencing that for the first time and yeah. um, with that notion. 
Right. Must have been really cool. Like, and you could tell, like, this was the blueprint for Scream, you know? Exactly. You could definitely see that. And you could see, like, how he toned Scream down on the meta aspect because this is like, this is Wes Craven. His hair is down. He's like, fuck it. Let's throw everything in here. Let's see what we can do. Let's stir the pot. Heather is sitting in her bed reading about sleep disorders and schizophrenia. Quote, many of the symptoms of childhood schizophrenia are duplicated in in children from sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation can produce trance-like states, mechanical behavior, end quote. She continues reading as she remembers when Dylan would claim um, that Rex woke him, also remembering her conversation with John and Robert. The TV cuts on to static. Uh, She turns it off. It cuts back on to the news this time, talking about Chuck and Terry found killed this morning. Disturbed, she turns she turns off the TV again, and it is about to pour pour another cup of coffee. It comes back on. The reporter also mentioned that Freddie's glove has has gone missing, which have the cops speculating that the murders are are of a botched theft. Another earthquake. Heather tries to hold her coffee maker from breaking it. The uh, the door creaks open. And others and other things start falling falling over. She she makes a run for the door frame to wait the quake out. It stops, but the door continues creaking. She cautiously goes back into the to her room, approaching the closet door and noticing that her coffee maker is broken, but inside the closet. Looking at the side table and seeing the spillage of the coffee, another creak from the closet. She she looks back inside. Freddie appearing through her clothes with an amazing one liner. Miss me. <laughs> he looks fucking great too. The yeah, way he, really, he pulls really her clothes does. back, it's it's great. It's great. She screams as he starts slashing around the room, going after her. She starts throwing whatever she can at him to escape. He tackles her onto the bed, staring at her, calling her Nancy. She the room starts to shake from an aftershock. He falls off of her, but slashes her arm before he goes. The quake stops. Freddie is gone. The arm brutally cut. She thinks about her son. Cut to Heather running into the hospital. Julie asks, also trying to see Dylan, but the nurse is telling her that she can't. Heather calls out to her, asking what she is doing there. Julie isn't sure, and that she had a terrible dream about him, which made her go there. She chuckles, thinking it sounds crazy. Heather asks if he's all right, but they wouldn't let Julie in. Dr. Hefner comes up to her, reiterating that there are no visiting hours in intensive care. She asks if Dylan is okay. She claims that he's, that he's holding well, but earlier he had some problems and they, and they moved him into an oxygen tank. She gasps while touching her face. I love this. She's like, <gasps> oxygen tank. No, not, not the oxygen tank. Her her hand stained in with blood. Doctor Hefner commenting about it. She moves back her sleeve, asking asking how she got those cuts. Heather answers that it, it happened in the earthquake, and she uh and she fell, wanting to see her, sa- her wanted to see her son. Doctor Hef Doctor Hefner, uh, grabbing her back and and suggesting she could take. Uh, she could see him in a moment, but she needs to check her first. Hefner is assisting Heather and her, on her wounds, asking what what she cut herself on. She blames it on the earthquake and it being dark. And I love how she's getting more and more irritated at this point. Yeah, Doctor Hefner says that the cuts look fresh. Heather annoyingly agrees that it happened in tonight's earthquake. Doctor Hefner um, is staring at her in silence. Heather claiming that it happened only fifteen minutes ago. Concerned, but slightly playing along. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dr. Hefner believes that they must have lucked out over there because they didn't fill it. 
She finishes the bandages, sharing that Dylan is terrified of a man coming out of out of his bed, sharing that one of the nurses, uh, one of the nurses heard him talking to himself. She asks if Heather knows about uh, uh, who this man is. Heather cries that she forgot to bring his stuffed animal, spilling the beans that it that it keeps Freddy from coming into coming out from underneath the bed. Dr. Hefner seeks confirmation that she's speaking about Freddy Krueger, and if that is who Dylan is afraid of. Heather sighs, after knowing that she is fucked up. <laughs> it has allowed her to watch her films. She snaps that every kid knows who Freddy is, comparing him to Santa Claus or, or uh, King Kong. She, why, why did I, I, I just call him Sandy Claus? Santa like, Claus. Santa Claus. Like, man, I've been watching too much uh, Nightmare? Nightmare Before On. Christmas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, she finishes up. Heather is about to walk walk out. She grabs her wrist, sternly commenting that this is strictly for the welfare of Dylan. She ignores the doctor and continues walking out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dylan is inside his oxygen tent uh, getting some rest. Heather is sitting across, dozing off. Two nurses come in to check on his vitals. One nurse asking, how is he doing? The other shaking her head, and they walk out, walk back out. Why the fuck would you do that with his mom in there? How's he doing? <laughs> Shit. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, Not for good. real. Not good. Just like, I would, right there. there like, she's dreaming right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, her dream happens right now. Uh, she, uh, but she f- falls asleep. Dylan's heart monitor flatlining. Dylan uh, r- rises up out of the bed, taking taking it off his finger, unzipping the bag. Concerned, she tells him not to do that. Shifting his voice, he tells her, quote, too late, and that he's almost there. End quote. His voice changes deeper into Freddy's, throwing up on her, causing Dylan to writhe and scream. Nurses run into the room, Heather screaming for Hefner. Hefner comes into the room demanding for them to keep uh, keep her right there. A nurse straps her into the fucking chair as Hefner asks for a full anesthetic, but they don't have any. Screw it. She's ready to do it without <laughs> it. Her hand with the, with the knives for Freddy's glove. She turns into Freddy about to slash down. Heather jumps in the way, screaming no. She wakes up, screaming that Freddy has her child. Hefner shakes her, suggesting that she goes home and get some rest, claiming that Dylan is fine and, and was taken downstairs for further testing she doesn't understand knowing that he was just there Hefner agreeing that he was explaining that she fell asleep and they took him commenting on her appearance and them not wanting to wake her assuring her that Julie is also with him and that everything is fine but Heather knows that nothing is that everything is not fine um, bolting down the hall they call for security as she makes it to the restricted area now, I want to point out that Heather's hair is now streaking with gray. Have we Looks seen that before? Cool. We have. Okay. Great I, that you brought this up. Yeah, because it's not <laughs> – it, they don't bring attention to it at first. But they then don't. later on, they do. They don't. Um, but her hair streaks um, inside of Nightmare on Elm Street. Got it. At the end, her hair streaks gray right. when she goes to fight – uh, Freddy Krueger, her hair now has that gray streak, and they keep the gray streak in her hair in Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Ah, and then she. So she's transitioning it. in this point 
into ah, Nancy. Nancy, Got that's it. right. Okay, yeah. okay. So at this oh, point yeah, on, because, she's transitioning into Nancy. Yeah, because that's the the character that she played, and this is the yes. actress. Got it. Oh, exactly. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Love this movie. Uh, right. <laughs> so fucking good. Nurse, a nurse comments about this being a restricted area, but Heather tells her to shove it. <laughs> like fuck off. I don't care, lady. Hefner comes into uh, comes in telling her to calm down, asking the nurse how Dylan is doing. She comments that he's fine and he's suffering from acute sleep deprivation. She turns around, whispering that she doesn't think Heather uh, lets him get get a good night's sleep. Heather asks what she's is saying and wanting to wanting to know uh, where he is. Julie Julie calls out calls out to her from down the hall, smiling that she she has uh, someone who would like to see her. Heather runs down the hall, calling out to her son. He smiles and runs to her, runs to him, hugging and embracing him. She che- she uh, checks in on him. He asks uh, if they can go get Rex now, since Freddie is getting closer. She understands and agrees, Hefner suggesting that he stays there until they find out uh, the cause of the episodes. Heather nods that she understands, sending her son back down, promising that she will go get Rex right now, reiterating that home isn't far, adding that Julie is going to stay right, uh, right with him. Um, I even put here that, uh, that it would have been hilarious if Julie would have been like, actually, I actually have a date in like 30 minutes, so I'm not going (laughs) to be able to stay with him. Good luck. <laughs> Julie agrees, rubbing his head. She she hugs him. He whispers uh, for for her to hurry because he's getting sleepy. She promises again, telling him to not fall asleep, demanding Julie to not let him um, out of her sight. Julie comments about her hair turning gray. And the fucking callbacks. Jesus Christ. Right. She reiterates for Julie to keep him awake. Two uh, security guards stop and grab her to come with, come with them for a moment. Hefner and audibly t- um, talking... Um, to another nurse they sit they sit her in the different room heather confused as to what's going on hefner asks for a quick word for the sake of dylan meanwhile julie is playing with dylan two nurses coming into the room julie looks over at, at one nurse fixing something in a syringe while the other walks behind dylan she goes over to the nurse the other one lifting dylan's sleeve while she's doing so she asks for julie to step out for a moment julie questions her questions her on what she's doing the nurse commenting that she's going to give her a, a little sh- give him a little shot to see if he's able to get some sleep julie tells her no and um and his and is about to share specifics from Heather. The nurse is a, is about to move past Julie, but she grabs her, telling her no. The nurse commanding the other one to do it. She gives him a shot without his fucking mom's consent. Yeah. I oh, know dude, what the fuck. Nineties got me off. I was so <laughs> Even in the mad. 90s, didn't kidding, do yeah, this. this is like, uh, <laughs> and they gave him the old one-two buckle my shoe. Like, got you. Like, right here, right. the yeah. switcheroo. They like knew they gave him the one-two Freddy's cover for, for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like this is this, this is crazy. This was so shocking to me when I first saw this. I was just like. <gasps> Like, like, like I did a David gasp, like, you know, like, like it just, it was so shocking that they did that. But the petty ass nurse tells Julie to let go of her arm, but Julie ain't no punk ass bitch. And she straight up decks her ass. Yeah, she does. Dude, I love Julie. Julie's so good. She's so supportive. Julie was a straight G. Yeah. I hope nothing bad happens to her. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to tell you, Freddie. 
because we're going to keep going. The other nurse goes over to her, Julie picking up the syringe, threatening to stick her with it and causing her to flinch and run out of the room. So she closes the door. Dylan yawns and Julie tries to keep keep him awake. Cut back to Hefner speaking with Heather, asking if there's been any use of drugs or mental disturbances in her family history. She doesn't understand what she is asking. Hefner um, continuing that this could be something passed down to him, then ask if she's been suffering from any delusions. She tries to get up, but the guard sits her back down. Hefner asks if um, if she's been seeing Freddy Krueger as well. She claims that she hasn't. He will, uh, her wound starts bleeding profusely. Julie continues trying to keep Dylan awake as the nurses try to make their way back into the room. He asks uh, for his mom. Hefner suggests for, for Heather to get some sleep, and they can put Dylan in foster care for, for a short while. Why the fuck would you say that? Right? I know, right? She was pissing me oh off at this moment. God. I was like, you're terrible. Yeah. So, Dylan- yeah, I... Sorry, just really chime in. It's it's crazy how many um, horror films kind of delve into hospitals taking away your choice and taking away the need for consent and just doing whatever they deem is correct when you when the protagonist has more knowledge that is outside of like the realm of the world and and realizing what their actions could entail. For some right. reason, that always terrifies me. It, the idea it's so of good. hospitals, yeah, just doing whatever they want because we see it time and time again. So many real life and fictional horror stories of like what could go down at a hospital. It's right. terrifying. It, even to this day, that I feel like that's never going to grow old. Right. Oh, it, it's no, a good scare sure. tactic, and especially as a viewer because you know the information as well. It creates a lot of good tension within the movie. And it's like, yeah, yeah this is a scary part, and Freddy's not even involved yet. It's like, exactly. this is like real. This could happen. Who knows? And that's yeah. the terrifying part, especially a terrifying part for a parent to go through. So yeah, true. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember when Ellie was born and they wanted us to stay in the hospital for another like day or so. But we were so over it. Like we were in the hospital because when Ellie was born, you guys remember the fires in 2020 as well? Yeah. yeah. Australian yeah. fires? Um, no, our fires. Oh, the ones our fires. That, yeah, the ones that were like really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that happens every year though. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Normal part <laughs> that's of summer. Very true. But, um, with it was around that time and we can smell like all of the smoke yeah. inside of our uh, hospital room. Yeah. Damn. And we were just like, we just want to go home. And at first they told us no. They mm. were just like, no, you guys can't leave. And like it got Watch to the point me. where. Like I looked it up. Like I was just like, can we leave? Like we have rights, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I looked we have it rights, up, right? <laughs> like, and, uh, and then it said that you can leave. Like if you if you if the baby's healthy and they've done the, the last vital checks, like you're good. And yeah. we did. They we had them do one more vital check, and we were just like, okay, we're leaving now. Like we're done. Like we're not going to be here anymore. Sign us the yeah. fuck out. Like <laughs> we're done. Dylan falls asleep as Julie shakes him to stay awake. He stares right behind her as Freddie emerges behind her. Um, he's t- he tells her that he's behind her. She looks behind she looks uh, behind her back, but nothing is there. She turns back around, asking what's wrong as Freddie unleashes his claws and digs into her back. Back with Heather, demanding them to release her son right now. Hefner irritatedly agrees, but wants to continue wasting time with paperwork. <laughs> they are interrupted by Julie's scream. Uh, screams. The nurses get uh, get the door open. Julie flailing around in the midair. 
She's thrown across the room. Dylan screaming as Freddie continues dragging her by the leg on the on the wall. Freddie so goes up to the, to Dylan, asking if he's ever played skin the cat, and Aww. then goes back to Julie, dragging her up the ceiling. Her blood trailing over the walls, just like Tina was in Nightmare on Elm Street. She reaches yeah, yeah. out to Dylan. He um he reaches back uh, for her as well. She asks for him to help her. He screams her name. Freddie breaking her neck with a push of a finger. I did want this to be something else, though. I wanted him to like slash her, and she. Right. Fall. Oh, I wanted it to be ground. like how it was in Nightmare on Elm Street, because yeah. like, yeah, Tina's death was super <laughs> intense in Nightmare on it, Elm Street. It was, and I was expecting it to match that because it feels like a callback, right? Uh, right. But at the same time, man, how how traumatizing for a kid! Oh my oh god! My god. Yeah, she, she reaches out to him, and he's reaching yeah. back. I'm like, this is horrifying. Yes, like this is sad, and like I like the character because she's so sweet and so kind and protective over this child and it's not even hers and she does care about him yeah you're just like damn you're just at the wrong place wrong time <clears throat> yeah it's a bummer seriously he stares at dylan with his head tilted as he uh, bursts into laughter i do love that though when he's like <laughs> on the wall staring at dylan and he's like slightly tilted upside down like it looks awesome it does Dylan screams for Rex as Julie um, falls from the ceiling. Heather and the guards run toward Dylan's room, the nurse stopping um, stopping her from going in there. She elbows the same nurse who got punched in the face by Julie in the stomach <laughs> and heads inside yeah. to make sure that it is Julie. She uh, shouts asking for her son. Hefner tells her that uh, Dylan couldn't, couldn't have left since he's fully sedated. Heather mentions that her son sleepwalks. Knowing, knowing where her son is, she rushes limping down the hall. She shoots out of the, the parking lot, calling John for his help, mentioning that Dylan ran away from the hospital, thinking he's headed home. Uh, she thinks Freddy's after him, knowing that sounds crazy. He admits that it does sound crazy, but she spots Dylan walking up uh, the hill toward the freeway. She runs out of the car, screaming for him as he, as he stares into the traffic. She tries hopping the fence, falling down as Dylan looks back and sees Freddy forming in the clouds in the sky. He walks into the traffic. They swerve to miss the hit to miss hitting the child. Um, she uh, makes it to the top of the hill, Freddy picking up uh, Dylan, acting like he's going to allow a car to hit him. Heather screams for him to take her instead as she tries dodging oncoming traffic as well. A truck comes barreling towards her. Instead of deciding to go left or right, she runs straight, ducking as the truck loses control, going right over her. Dylan falls out of the sky. Heather gets it, gets uh, gets hit by a fucking car. The driver assists her, like, hey, are you okay? She gets up like it's practically nothing, I know, though. Oh, man. She just walks it off. <laughs> so, fuck it. That adrenaline, man. Dylan notices a bunch of Freddy's coming toward him. He makes a run for it, uh, through the, through the opening of the gate. Heather has all this pent up adrenaline to run all the way back home, <laughs> whipping inside, <laughs> calling for her son in the house, bathed in darkness. John startles her by grabbing her, asking if she's okay. She frantically asks where Dylan is. He tells, he tells her to relax, pointing out that he's right there in the living room. She runs to him, hugging and sobbing as she holds him. John asks what's going on. She tells him that Freddy Krueger is the one that killed Chase. He sarcastically agrees. She asks um, her son if he saw him. And he sarcastically agrees the exact same way that he does when Nancy tells her tells him about Freddy Krueger in Iron Elm Street. Um, he simply says, quote unquote, coming for you. 
as John asks for her to go outside. John grabs her by the arm, mentioning that he will be all right as they talk. Dylan, um, Dylan's bed shakes as smoke comes from the blankets, Freddie emerging from the mattress. Meanwhile, John asks where, uh, uh John asks, asks her what's going on, but calls her Nancy. She asks, why is he calling her that? He returns the question back to her as to why she was calling him John. Such a good line. <laughs> she hears the police chatter on the radio, then notices his badge on his hip, telling her to pull herself together before she makes herself and her son crazy. Freddie continues emerging out of the bed, cutting himself out from the covers. Heather demands John to call Robert. He doesn't know who that is. She tries refreshing his memory that he was the actor who played Freddie. She still doesn't know. She stops him. Um, say, she stops him saying his full name. He tells. She tells her that Freddie's dead. Well, upst- well, upstairs in Dylan's room, he's well and alive, peering through the blankets. John tells her not to lose lose it like her mother. He tells her that he love he loves her, giving her a kiss on the cheek. He goes to he goes to this car to his car, commenting that she loves him too. This was interesting when he said, don't lose it like your mother, because he watches his wife get dragged to hell as a skeleton at the end of <laughs> yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, right. So it's just like, come on, man. Unless he <laughs> thought it was a dream. Freddy uh, comes completely out of out from the sheet. His uh, shadow casted on the wall like Nosferatu. Actually, I think that was a dream, right? I, can't. I think so. I think it was a dream because... At the end of, the, of Night on Elm Street, she gets pulled through the small doorway. The, the mom does. Or I thought it was the bed. I thought she got pulled through the doorway at the end. By you would Freddy. know better. I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, Freddy comes completely out, out from the sheet. His shadow casted on the wall like Nosferatu. So fucking cool. Uh, John, and you know what? Shout the fuck out because he looks amazing. Yeah, for yeah. real. Like he really looks great. Good. Like his boots are like like – I, I don't know, like some kind of gnarly ass, like gothic boots. And he got <laughs> he got those leather got pants, yeah. And like he got the trench coat. What the fucking fedora, bro? Like this dude <laughs> looks great. <laughs> anyway, John pleads for for her to go get some rest. Heather now ch- um, changed into her pajamas, noticing that she's back at fourteen twenty eight Elm Street. Let's oh, fucking go. I completely missed you that. that. Oh, yeah. yeah she's, back at, she's back at the house, man. She runs back inside, calling for her son. The door slamming shut as Dylan's VO. Quote, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. End quote. Inside the house, she calls for her son. Freddy echoes that he's almost there. She grabs a knife. The TV of, no- of Nightmare on Elm Street comes on the TV. The, uh, the part where Nancy is speaking with her dad about her getting the guy that, um, did this, wanting him to be there to arrest him. The TV is unplugged, then buzzes off. She looks around, noticing the yellow sleeping pill on the ground. She finds another, remembering Dylan's love for Hansel and Gretel. She calls out for, uh, for, she calls out to him inside his room. Freddie ghastly, e- ghastly echoes that she's too late. Inside his room, she calls out to him with a knife at the ready, st- um, stopping over Rex and then noticing the pill on his pillow. She moves to the, 
she moves to the covers, she moves the covers back, but nothing is underneath, realizing that she has to take the pill to join her son in his dream. She throws it back, finding another under his cover, relieved, she takes, she takes that one as well, crawling underneath his, his covers, taking all the pills that she finds in his path. I don't know if that was necessary, but right. at this yeah. point, I was like, you shouldn't take too many sleeping pills. You only need one. <laughs> Might OD on, on us here. Yeah. Dylan calls for her as she slides deeper into his dreamland. She falls out of Freddy's mouth into a pool of water. So cool. So this fucking whole sequence cool. of her sliding is gorgeous. It's and great. Haunting. Yeah, it really is. It's great. I'm not going to lie, though. It does kind of remind me of like a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, maybe. But- for me, that's yeah, a good thing. Don't look under the bed. <laughs> yeah, it gave me that vibes too. And I agree with you, David. For me, it's also a good thing. Um, okay. she swims, she swims out of the water, Freddie appearing from the, co- from the corners. She continues searching for Dylan. He calls, he calls for her as Freddie is right behind her, laughing that she is almost there. She sees the script on the ground, the pages flapping in the wind. She picks it up, reading the script of everything that she's doing right in that moment. Quote, the more she read, the more she realized what she had had in her hands was nothing more or less than her life itself, that everything she had experienced and thought was bound within these pages. There was no movie. There was only her life. Dylan runs up behind her, startling her, saying that it's just him. She embraces him, throwing the knife on the ground. She asks if he's okay and where Freddy is. He answers that Freddy had had him, but he got away. Freddy appears, grabbing and throwing Heather into another room, falling over a vase that has a bunch of snakes and eels inside. He forces his he forces her face down into them. She grabs one of the eels, stabbing him in the eye with it. You got stabbed in the eye with the fucking eel, my dude. <laughs> Heather gets up and punches him in the face. He goes after her and she continues trying to fight him off of her, pinning her against the wall, choking her. Dylan uh, picks up the knife, stabbing him in the leg, and he goes through his leg. It looks yeah. great. Yeah. I think it was such a good touch. Yeah. yeah. Great they touch. Showed it going through the leg. Great touch. Freddie pulls the knife out, throwing it on the ground, and is about to get, go after him. Heather jumps on his back. He throws her off, knocking her out. Dylan runs away, Freddie Freddy appearing through the holes as um, as he screams for his mom. Dylan runs back to the main room, calling for his mom, who is now knocked on the ground, or knocked out on the ground. Freddy continues limping as he chases Dylan into a room with, fi- with a fire. Dylan has no choice but to run into the furnace. He moves into a corner. Freddy tries to get inside but can't reach him. He antagonizes Dylan by cr- by clawing on the steel. Heather wakes back up. Freddy's uh, hand begins to extend toward him. She grabs the knife, running over towards Fre- to Freddy, but she steps into she's uh, but steps into. Uh, Oh my gosh, excuse me. She grabs the knife, running over to Freddy, but the steps turn into a goo, causing her to be trapped like quicksand. Freddy grabs Dylan, pulling him into his mouth. He stretches his mouth open, and this looks fucking incredible. Yeah, it really, really does. It this looks so incredible. well. Heather uh, fights her way to him, stabbing Freddy in the groin. She yells for Dylan to get out of there, Freddy appearing on the other side, wrapping his tongue around her face and neck. Dylan crawls his way through through snakes, making it making it back into the room uh, around his mom. He grabs the knife, stabbing Freddy's tongue. He rips his 
he rips it off from the blade. They uh, they push him into the furnace, upping the flames, causing Freddy to transform into a demon and explode. Heather and Dylan run out of the out of this hell, away from the exploding flames and into a pool of water, falling uh, flying out from underneath his mattress. She checks to make sure his sheets are now closed, hugging Dylan as he says that they are safe and the witch is dead. She completes it mm. with his mother covering him in kisses and they are safe. As she as she is holding him, she notices the script. Uh, she notices the script, the front page with a note from Wes. Quote, Heather, thanks for having the guts to play Nancy one last time. At last, Freddy's back where he belongs. Regards, Wes. End quote. She flips through the pages, seeing the retelling of her story. Dylan Dylan asks if it is if it is a if it is a story. She agrees that it is. He wants her to read read it. Uh, she excuse me. He want he wants her to read some to her. She flips to the first page, reading the beginning of the of the movie. Then credits. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! This shit, man. So fucking amazing. Fucking great movie. It's, it is. It's it so it really well written. Is. That's the whole like thing too. Is like yeah, the script. It's the yeah. whole thing that contains everything. And so as a great. writer and a storyteller, Wes Craven does a great, phenomenal job. Absolutely. Damn though, I got some movie facts for us here. Movie, movie facts. facts? In this film, Freddy is depicted much closer to what Wes Craven had originally intended for the character, much more menacing, much less comical, with an updated attire and appearance. Mm-hmm. It works Love even that. today in 2022. Yeah. Absolutely. The events in this film revolve around Heather Langenkamp having a stalker. In real life, she did have a stalker, and Wes Craven got her permission to weave it into the story. Oh, man, that's, that's perfect. Director Wes Craven had intended to ask Johnny Depp to make an appearance as himself in the funeral scene. Craven never worked worked up the courage to ask him, but after the film's release, they ran into each other. Craven asked Depp if if he would have made an appearance in the movie, and Depp said that he would have. And Craven should have asked him. Yeah, you should have. I mean, during this time, Johnny Depp was the fucking man. Yeah, he so was. like I can get how you can feel a little nervous, where it's just like, "Fuck, dude, I, I knew you when you were like eighteen, like I was your first movie, you know." So like yeah. I can feel that. Um, in reality, Heather Langenkamp's real husband, David Leroy Anderson, is a special effects man. He is in this film. <laughs> yeah, man. In the ending credits, Freddy Krueger is credited as himself, even though Robert England reprises the role. That's really cool that he's credited as himself. I love that. Yeah. Sorry, I had to take a swig of water. The basic premise of the film, Freddy invading the real world and haunting the actors and crew responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street films, was originally intended to be used for a Nightmare on Elm Street 3, or on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. But the idea was rejected by the studio at the time. I mean, Dream Warriors still rules. It's yeah. so good. God damn, it's good. Oh, man. Let's do one more here. Let's get a slightly juicy one, Nut. All right, this one's good. Oh, this one's kind of good. Winona <laughs> Ryder good. and Drew Barrymore were both considered for the role of Julie. Both actresses turned it down due to prior commitments with other projects. Ironically, Ryder had previously auditioned for the role as, as Kristen um, in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. 
That's really cool. That would have been That's cool amazing. to see them in this too. But I, I think, think Julie was well casted. I think yeah. Yeah. I was going well to add to that. I feel like it would have awkwardly changed the whole movie for some reason. <laughs> no, I, I feel it. The, somebody's presence, even in the short period of time in the movie, can change everything. Yeah, definitely agree. But goddamn, what a fucking flick. And what a month. This month was month, absolutely yeah. incredible. What month a fucking month. Filled with uh, <laughs> movies. Completely what love. a fucking month. But definitely, let's keep this conversation going. I want to know what you think about Wes Craven's new nightmare over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod or inside of our Discord, which you can now be a part of. So by all means, let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep chatting about this movie. Let's definitely chat about this movie because I love this fucking movie <laughs> but next month we are doing something that we actually should have done a long time ago again but <laughs> we are bringing back black history of horror month something that david has asked about as well wanting to bring this back um this i think you and i david this was one of our favorite months together oh yeah without a doubt like it was, it was such a great month. We had Candyman, and and we did this in 2020, I believe. No, no, 2019, yes, 2019. Wow, yeah. 2019. Yeah, that's right. Or unless, no, it was no, 2020. It was, it was 2020. Turn of the new year, 2020, yes. before the pandemic started. Yeah, right before the pandemic, because I remember yeah. us doing it in my living room. <laughs> exactly. God, we've come a long way, y'all. For real, we come a long Man. way from my living room to a studio. That's crazy. All because of you guys. Seriously, we couldn't thank you guys enough. But we are going to be continuing that that month or Black History of Horror Month Part 2 with Death by Temptation, which I cannot wait to dive into again because, oh my God, I love that movie so much. Goddamn. Everyone's in for a treat. Everyone's in for a treat. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Long time we had David Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever. Also known as Nightly. Other in there, we have Freddy. Always staying spooky. Always. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get the show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out some more coolish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they will. Buy a pledge on Patreon, you'll access the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.